1: Hey everyone, technically you're getting two days in history today because we're running two episodes from the history vault. Hope you enjoy. Greetings everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was April 5th, 1614. A Native American woman named Mato'aka, better known by her nickname Pocahontas, married Jamestown colonist John Rolfe. Pocahontas was the daughter of Chief Wahoon Seneca, also called Powhatan, the paramount chief of the Powhatan chiefdom. Known as Senecomico, the chiefdom included about 30 Algonquian-speaking tribes in what is now Tidewater, Virginia, and Virginia's eastern shore. In May 1607, English colonists founded Jamestown, the first permanent English colony in North America. Pocahontas and Powhatan didn't meet any English colonists until late December of that year, when Captain John Smith was captured by Powhatan's brother and eventually taken to Chief Powhatan at Werowocomoco, Powhatan's capital. The story goes that Pocahontas rescued him from his execution, but that's likely not the truth. Back then, as it still happens today, Pocahontas's power within the Powhatan tradition was often played up. Smith was given permission to leave Werowocomoco. In 1608, Smith became the president of Jamestown. That same year, Pocahontas was part of a delegation that went to Jamestown to negotiate the release of several Native Americans who had been captured. On that trip, and on later envoys to Jamestown, Pocahontas was mainly a symbol of Powhatan's trust in Smith. Pocahontas was pretty playful, and English writer William Strachey even described her doing cartwheels with English boys in Jamestown. Relations between the English and the tribes were okay at first. Powhatan sent food to the colonists, and the colonists traded with the Powhatan peoples. But by the winter of 1608, relations had soured as the English demanded more food that the tribes did not have. The First Anglo-Powhatan War began, and Powhatan moved his capital west. Pocahontas was barred from visiting Jamestown, though she did still have some interaction with the colonists, and Smith left Virginia because of an injury in October 1609. But Pocahontas, who would have been around 14 in 1609 and 1610, was getting older, wearing the clothing of adults and getting tattoos. Pocahontas, like other Powhatan women, could choose to marry whom she wanted. In 1610, Pocahontas married a Native American man named Cocoon, who was a commoner, but also some sort of warrior. It's not clear where they lived or if they had children, but English documentation and Native oral history show that Powhatan was happy with Pocahontas' choice and stayed close to his daughter after the marriage. But during this time, the colonists were expanding beyond Jamestown. In 1613, Captain Samuel Argall found out Pocahontas was living with the Powhatan tribes and with the help of the tribe, kidnapped her and held her as ransom for the return of stolen weapons and English captives. She was then taken to Jamestown and probably Hemrico, a nearby settlement. Accounts differ on how Pocahontas was treated at this time, Some say she was treated well, while others say she was raped. But it was during this time when Pocahontas learned the English language, traditions, and religion. And in 1614, she was baptized and given the Christian name Rebecca. By the time an agreement was reached for her release, Pocahontas had fallen in love with the English colonist John Rolfe, who had introduced the tobacco crop in Jamestown. Rolfe asked Sir Thomas Dale, the deputy governor of Virginia, for permission to marry Pocahontas. In a letter to Dale, Rolfe said that the marriage was not for the unbridled desire of carnal affection, but for, quote, "...the good of this plantation, for the honor of our country, for the glory of God, for my own salvation, and for the converting to the true knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, an unbelieving creature, namely Pocahontas." Powhatan and Dale agreed to the marriage, and on or around April 5th, 1614, either Minister Alexander Whitaker or Richard Buck performed the ceremony. At that point, her first marriage ended, and the couple had a son named Thomas, although it's not clear when. But Pocahontas's marriage to Rolfe brought about a period of peace between the tribes and the colonists, as Powhatan called an end to the war. The Virginia Company of London, which had funded the settling of Jamestown, saw this unlikely pairing as a marketing opportunity and trotted the couple out to England in 1616. The English upper class largely doted on her while she was there, as her appearance was a spectacle to them, and she was even presented at the court of King James I. But in March 1617, when Pocahontas and John were about to head back to Virginia, Pocahontas died possibly of an upper respiratory illness or a dysentery. Soon, the peace that their marriage had incited would deteriorate, and the Second Anglo-Powhatan War began in 1622. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at T D I H C. Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you again tomorrow for more tidbits of history.
0: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters—
3: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
4: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Hey, hey, y'all, welcome
1: to This Day in History class, a podcast for people who can never know enough about history. I have to say that I feel very comforted knowing that you all are listening to me as I sit here and record from my pretty dark and pretty cramped closet. So thank you all, and I hope you're holding up well. Let's get into the show. The day was April 5th, 1958. The top of an underwater mountain known as Ripple Rock was destroyed in an explosion. It was noted as one of the largest non-nuclear peacetime explosions ever. Ripple Rock was located off the coast of British Columbia, Canada, north of a city called Campbell River. It was in a shipping channel called the Seymour Narrows, and it had two peaks. At low tide, the south peak was only about nine feet or 2.7 meters below the surface. Because it was so close to the surface, but invisible to ships, it was a huge hazard. On top of this, there were dangerous tidal currents in the area around the peak. Ripple Rock was responsible for the sinking or damage of more than 20 large vessels and at least 100 smaller vessels. At least 114 people died due to the wrecks it caused. It was clearly a dangerous obstacle, but not everyone agreed on the destruction of the peak. While some people wanted to get rid of Ripple Rock, others advocated keeping it around in the hopes that it could support a bridge to connect Vancouver Island to mainland British Columbia. But in the end, the Canadian government decided to destroy Ripple Rock. In 1943, an attempt was made to blow up the rock by floating a drilling barge over it. The barge was held in place by steel cables attached to concrete anchors that weighed 1,100 tons, or 998 metric tons. Holes would be drilled into the top of the rock and filled with explosives so that the rock could be blasted away. But the cables broke frequently. There was another attempt to use a drill barge to blast the rock to pieces. But water turbulence made the operation difficult, and this attempt was abandoned. But in 1953, the National Research Council of Canada commissioned a feasibility study on tunneling into the rock to plant explosives. This approach was approved, and the government hired Dolmage and Mason consulting engineers to plan the project. The Northern Construction Company, J.W. Stewart Limited, and Boyles Brothers Drilling Company got contracts for the project. The plan was to sink a shaft on Maud Island, tunnel out below Seymour Narrows, and drill two vertical shafts up into the rock. Work began in November of 1955 and lasted for more than two years. Once the tunneling was done, workers drilled so-called coyote tunnels in the peaks of the rock and placed explosives in them. At 9.31 in the morning on April 5th, Ripple Rock exploded. The blast reached a height of 1,000 feet. The explosion was broadcast live on CBC. No environmental damage was reported in the area. Now the South Peak is about 45 feet below the surface at low tide. The North Peak is about 70 feet below the surface. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If there's anything I missed or something or someone you'd really love to hear about on the show, please send us a message on social media that's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. And if you're so inclined, you can send us an email at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow.
3: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.